Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Alenia, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Hi, welcome to Fun is Fundamental, and today I'm going to tell you 10 things about me and tell a couple little stories to go with some of those 10 things, just because I realize that everything is kind of bits and pieces for people to get to know me um, through the podcast, if you don't know me in person, <laughs> as in real life, and so I just figure out, make it a little easier for you to get, get to know me by telling you directly about me some things, a few things, 10 things to be exact. And also, I have been learning more about storytelling since doing the podcast and realizing how important storytelling is. And so, you know, I want to tell you a few stories about myself just as a window into who I am. So number one, when I was a kid, I had a fake Cabbage Patch Kid. You know how Cabbage Patch Kids were the the it toy of like the 80s basically. And I really desperately wanted one, but we didn't have a lot of money. So basically my grandma bought a Cabbage Patch Head from like the sewing store, the craft store, <laughs> there you go and she sewed the body. I definitely played with it and I enjoyed it, but I definitely saw that it was not the same and it was fake because <laughs> it didn't have any toes for one thing. And also it had, so basically it's like hair was like around around its head like it was like yarn that was like kind of around the outside of its head and so it always had to have like a ponytail up because if it didn't it just had this big huge bald spot that was painted brown so that it would just camouflage in with the yarn hair and so i definitely recognize that this cabbage patch doll was subpar but yet I played with it a lot and I enjoyed it. But every once in a while, I would just look at it and be like, you're fake. <laughs> I, I know you're not a real catch patch kid. So yeah, that's a little bit about my childhood and the kind of toys that I had. Speaking of top dolls, I remember my brother... I don't know why my brother had like this weird doll from like the seventies, but it, you know, like it, he had it way before child's play, but then child's play came out and like, I, I never saw child's play, but like, I like, you see like commercials as a child. And for some reason, I just like 
forever after that I saw this doll and I was just like oh my god this doll's gonna kill me <laughs> you know like it just like suddenly this doll even though it did not look like Chucky well it kind of looked like Chucky it had like a striped shirt kind of like Chucky and stuff like that and it like its hair was almost red maybe it was part a partially inspiration for Chucky but didn't have like a terrifying face like its face actually was very normal but still like ever since after that like I associate this doll with like child's play you know with Chucky and you know perfectly innocent doll but yet I imagine it was going to kill me sometimes <laughs> I had a lot of imagination about my toys. I, I remember like putting on plays with my toys because I, I was alone a fair bit. And so I turned my toys into like my playmates and I, I gave them parts in a play and things like that. Anyway, number two, <laughs> that was a long, a long explanation of some of my childhood. Uh, number two, I... As a child, I really wanted a turtle because there were a couple of kids in my neighborhood that, her neighborhood that had turtles. And like one, at least one was like a swimming turtle. And then one was a, a tortoise, a, like a box, a box turtle. And, but I feel like even like another one, I remember there were, I feel like there was like turtle racing in my neighborhood. Like I remember something about that and I really wanted a turtle, but my mom wasn't going to get me a turtle, but I think probably around the same time I like would get like my first like little like, like turtle statue, like little turtle statue kind of things. And then for years I collected turtles because I, I, it was like the replacement for the turtle I never got as a child kind of thing, but I really loved turtles. I thought they were just so cute. I still do. I still love turtles. I just don't, I don't collect them anymore. I'm not, I don't really do a lot of collecting anymore, but I did collect as a child. And as we know, collecting is a form of play. And yeah, I just, I, they just have adorable faces. If you've never looked up turtles eating, tortoises eating, definitely look it up. Like watch a tortoise eat a strawberry and you'll just like love them for the rest of your life because how could you not look? They're just so cute. <laughs> I just love them. So I love turtles. There you go. Another story around animals. Number three, we used to have this cat named Raj and he had been like kind of a wild cat a little bit. Like he, was definitely like not feral. He liked people, but he had developed a way of surviving on the streets. And one of his things that he would do was that he would like in our neighborhood, he would, he would go to the Texaco and he would claw open the cat food at the Texaco and just hang out there. And the people were just like, the Texaco people. Well, let me go back a little bit. He went missing and we were looking for him. And then the people at Texaco were like, oh yeah, he hangs out here all the time. And we're just like, what? 
yeah, like he just eats his cat food and he just hangs out here all the time. And we're just like, okay. <laughs> They're like, they really liked him. And I was like, of course you liked him because he was just this amazing cat. And like a few days later, we get a phone call from these people and they were like, oh yeah, we have your cat. And he was like across town. And it just turned out he would just, he just got into these people's car and they're just like, oh, there's this cat in our car. Okay. And they just took, took him, you know, because, you know, cats are just like that, you know? And then, but he had, he was chipped. So when he was not getting along with their other cats, they called us. And so we went and got him and then it happened again. He got into another person's car at the Texaco and went across town again. And we got another phone call when they're like, yeah, we have your cat. Because <laughs> he just, he kept on like, like we had, like at one point this other cat adopted us, Howie. And Raj and Howie loved each other, but other cats Raj was not a big fan of. He was just such a character and he like figured out how to like open doors like we'd have to lock our doors because he figured out how to open them when they were not locked and you're just like oh my god cat like you are just so smart so amazing just yeah he was like an amazing cat and then unfortunately he got like a urinary block and ended up dying like we didn't have him for that many years and it was just like very very sad because he was just such an like one of a kind awesome cat you know kind of thing and then right after like shortly after that our neighbor's cat adopted us again so we another cat adopted us so we would get adopted by a lot of cats and it the cat adopted us because it was just like, I kind of freaked out by like the, the daughter of the neighborhood of the neighbor. Um, cause she was young, you know, and she was, they had a lot of energy, sweet kid, but you know, just a young kid. And so he started hanging out with us and like, kind of, kind of became our cat. One day he goes missing, but completely different situation. Like he was not getting into strangers cars, but you know, we like went and called him and he didn't come back that night. And then I went out, you know, the, the next day and called him and I just heard this little noise and I was like, it's coming from the bushes. And so I climbed into like these bushes and I find him like wrapped around, like he had a rope around his neck and he's wrapped around like the, the, tree branches and so you know we cut him cut him free and his neck was all swollen and the, the poor thing you know like he he would have died um if i hadn't found him it turned out like you know the girl had like been trying to play like pony with with him and he ran away with this rope around him and had gotten himself all tangled up and so, you know, like, obviously, like, it's a young child. We're not, like, scolding her. It wasn't intentional kind of thing. But we're just like, yeah, don't, don't, let's not put jump ropes around animals' necks, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So, but he survived. And he actually, he had a nice long life. 
my uncle uh, ended up taking him in uh, a little bit later and just absolutely adored that cat. Like he, he was a really great cat too. And it was, you know, it's a great thing that I, you know, we, we, we saved him because like if I hadn't heard just that little, like little meow coming out of that bush, you know, then who knows what would have happened, right? I don't know how many stories that's been so far. I think I had just said number three, but I, I don't know. That might be number four. <laughs> but as a teen, I was, I did theater and choir, which is funny because I had been a very shy child, but when I became a teenager, I guess I kind of just like decided I didn't really want to be like all shy anymore or something. I don't know. And so I, even though I'm, I am an introvert, I feel like it's a kind of a spectrum and I kind of just decided that I was going to put like be it try to be extroverted sometimes, you know, even though you still need to have quiet alone time to recharge. But I just, you know, wanted to be out there, I guess. So yeah, I did theater and choir as a, as a teen. And I really, I'm quite good at pantomiming. I once got a, the role as the little redheaded girl even though my complexion is not red, redhead at all. Um, but I was a little redheaded girl and you're a good man, Charlie Brown, uh, because my audition for the role in the school play, I just had this like very detailed pantomiming of my eating my lunch. And they were just like, yeah, you're, you're good at this kind of thing. So I got that part because of my my pantomiming skills and actually like maybe like two weeks ago I was at work and we were doing charades and I was just like oh I'll do I'll you know take on the doing charades part because it's fun uh, for the residents in the uh, home that I work at and my coworker was just like, man, you're really good at charades. <laughs> and I was just like, oh yeah. And then I told the story about getting, I got a part in a play because I'm good at pantomiming. <laughs> so yeah. And it was very fun to be, to do theater as a teenager. I was, I honestly, I'm not a great actress, but I very much enjoyed it. I, I think my biggest problem with acting is that I'm not very, I'm not a very good speaker. Yes. Once again, I know it's doesn't make sense because I have a podcast, but I just, I'm really not, I, I cannot do an accent to save my life, which is hilarious. All my accents kind of sound the same and nothing like the accent that it's supposed to be. <laughs> so I, yeah, my husband laughs at me when I try to do accents because they are really terrible, but you know, it's fun. It's funny. And it's fun to take, laugh at yourself. Uh, when I was younger, also, I wanted to be a history professor. I find history to be very fascinating. I still watch video, like YouTube videos about like history and people. And yeah, I just, and I, you know, when I'm going to go to a place, I really love doing the research 
to about about the places and their history and why things are the way they are and things like that. Yeah, so I wanted to be a history professor. This was, of course, after I had outgrown, you know, wanting to be Madonna, for one thing. Like, I definitely wanted, I, I just loved singing. I wanted to be Whitney Houston. Obviously, I do not have her amazing voice. So that was never going to happen. But Madonna was a little bit more attainable, at least, like, voice-wise. You know, but... I don't think that was ever meant meant to be that for me to be like this big, big star. And now like actually knowing about stardom, like mm, that sounds awful. I, you know, I want, I want money without fame, <laughs> you know, I guess is what I would say now kind of thing. It all seems like really glamorous, but I would not want to be famous. That sounds terrible. So. Oh, also as a teenager, I used to dress like a crazy person. I remember having like these silver vinyl pants that I would wear. And I had like 10, I had a bunch of like, not 10 million. That's obviously not that many, but I had several like weird, just weird coats. I would just collect unusual coats. And I remember having like these silver platform shoes and this weird, like, I, I mean, I pro this dress I probably just bought for, like, kind of Halloween-y kind of things. But it had, like, these, like, weird, stiff, like, ruffle. Like, it was kind of, like, a witchy Elvira kind of thing. And, honestly, that one I probably bought as more of a costume than, like, just wearing every day. It was too too long, for one thing. But I definitely had some of those clothes that were not just for dressing up. Like I had this one coat that was like this weird, like patchy color coat. And it had this like weird polyester fake fur. I mean, it's not even supposed to look like real fur. It was just like this like stuff that was just cut was like coming out. <laughs> yeah, I really dressed very weird. It was the 90s. And if you remember the 90s, there was some weird fashion. I very, very much partook in the weird fashion. I definitely look at like, remember those things. And I'm like, what was I thinking? But at the same time, there are th times when I'm like, I, you know, I don't need to wear these monstrosities. But like, I feel like I could dress a little bit more interesting and I kind of miss like fashion sometimes, but I don't know. Like partly it's like vintage shop thrift store shopping has become so much more popular that I feel like it's a lot harder to find these really like to find really interesting, fun things in a thrift store than it used to be. And it wasn't as popular in the 90s. So I have no idea what number I'm on. So I'm just going to keep telling you some things. And hopefully we'll get around 10, 8, 8 to 12. <laughs> One of my front teeth is fake it's a crown. And the story around that is that when I was in my twenties, I was living in South Korea 
and I was a boo booze hag. I drank a lot. <laughs> we, we, we would be drunk a lot and they have this, they have the Boryong mud festival on the East coast of South Korea every, every year. And we lived on the, no, it was on the West coast. We lived on the East coast. It got turned around. And so we would be drinking at this bar and then get on this bus and drive across the, the, the city. Like it was a chartered bus fr from this bar and we would leave at like 2 a.m. so that we would get there at the time when we could, you know, go to a hotel. We weren't like going to get there in the middle of the night or something like that. And this one year, I think it was the second year that I went, I fell face first off of the bus. Like I literally just like was like took took like a normal step. And then the next step, I just went boop, like just timber. And I fell on my face and I broke my tooth. <laughs> it, I was kind of like dazed. Like it was kind of like, what? Did, oh, oh, whoa, I really did break my tooth. Like kind of thing. Cause we were getting off the bus to go to the bathroom and look at myself in the, in the mirror. And I'm just like, oh shit, I broke my tooth, you know, but I was like drunk. So it's like, I didn't really feel anything. But as I was like becoming less drunk, the pain started to uh, like set in and I, yeah, the nerve of my tooth, like some of the worst pain in my life was surrounding this tooth getting broken. Needless to say, I did not have a great weekend because I couldn't go get like good dental care this weekend in where this festival was happening. And so I just kind of was like, barely eating and like barely open my mouth because like, like I remember being in like the air conditioned room and like the air conditioning, like hurt my nerves in my tooth. And I would just kind of like keep my, keep my, uh, <laughs> my lips around my teeth and barely open my mouth and barely eat for that weekend. It, yeah, it started off as like, oh, this is gonna be a great weekend. And then it turned into like a really awful weekend. And so like, obviously, I go back uh, to our regular lives and start getting dental work done and getting a fake tooth and stuff like that. But like, getting all like the root canals and stuff like that, like, oh, it was really awful. Yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, just generally, I did not have like a great experience with dental care in Korea. I also had gotten a wisdom tooth taken out in Korea and I was really not happy about being awake for it and having like hearing my tooth cracking like in my jaw, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like, even though it's like, I can't like actually like feel any pain. It's just like hearing it. So like, yeah, two like of the worst experiences I've ever had with dental care were in my two and a half years that I lived in Korea. Yeah. And like getting an impacted and uh, then getting like dry socket um, 
after getting my wisdom tooth taken out. So yeah, <laughs> not great times. Those, those two things, like not great times that I had when I was living in Korea, but I had, I had some other good times, but also just was like drunk way too much. So yeah, that's a little, a little, a little bit about my time in Korea and my fake tooth. Let's see, what else can I tell you? Um, I have also traveled to some other foreign countries by myself. I had traveled to around part of, around Malaysia by myself. Um, like I met like a, people like a, a, a couple of times, you know, kind of thing. Like you would meet like tra travelers and kind of be like, oh, let's, let's go to this next town together kind of thing. But like the majority of it was by myself in Malaysia. And then I did part of India by myself. It's, I, I'd like to say that I'm as daring as I was in my twenties, but I don't think I am. I, 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 I wish I could be a little bit more daring like I was back then, but at the same time, like I definitely put myself in a couple situations where I was kind of a little bit stupid. So like, especially when you're like, you don't have a lot of money and you're like, Oh, I'm going to save money. And so then you fly into a country that you don't know, <laughs> Malaysia and, um, and you fly in, in the middle of the night and it's just like, yeah, don't leave the airport. If you fly into a country you don't know in the middle of the night, don't do it. Nothing really bad happened to me, but I got like, I was frightened that something really bad was going to happen to me. So yes, I learned some things. I got ripped off. That was the worst thing but much better than the th things that were going through my head that might happen. <laughs> so yes, be smart if you travel, especially by yourself. Let's see, what else can I tell you? I once held a hummingbird when I was in Ecuador. I lived in Ecuador for a year and I traveled up to the cloud forest of Ecuador and I was staying in this hotel there and there were all these like lovely little green hummingbirds that would just like, there were like a ton of them. They were just like eating, feeding in that area and they were so lovely and you would just watch them from like the cafe and stuff like that. Anyway, one day someone had left the door open at the hotel and this poor little hummingbird was like kept on running into the window trying to get out because like the side, side of the door, like right by the door was a window. And this poor thing's like trying to get out and it's like, you know, clearly terrified and like, like going to die. And so I just kind of was like, kind of like, just trying to like, like guide it, like push it like towards the door. But for a second, like for just like maybe two seconds, that thing trusted me enough to land in my hand so that I could guide it out. Like it knew I was trying to help it. 
and I could just feel like this, like the little quivering of this, its body, because like, I mean, they, their hearts beat so fast and, you know, stuff like that. And I could just feel like, feel that in my hand. And it was just like one of the most beautiful moments of my life holding this little tiny green hummingbird. I was just like, oh, I love, I love it so much. So yeah, that was one of the most amazing moments of my life holding that little that little creature what else can I tell you about myself I feel like I've said quite a lot I mean I guess I can tell you a little bit about like some things that are kind of hopefully going to happen I uh I wrote a short film and we have plans to film it this summer I don't know. There's always been like this part of me that has wanted to direct movies. Like I just, so it's exciting to think about putting, having a, a little a film and, you know, just showing it to anyone that will watch it kind of thing, you know, I don't know what else to tell, tell you. I feel like I've talked long enough. This is a longer episode than I expected it to be because I just got excited about telling you things. So I guess I'm just going to cut it off here and say thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode that you laughed at something or you were inspired by something. I hope that you have a wonderful week and have some fun and maybe tell someone your own stories. (laughs) All right. I love you. Bye.